everyone and welcome to another episode. Today we are looking at Gronk's return. So the news broke last night that Rob Gronkowski is back in the NFL. He's come out of retirement. He's gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to join his best friend and the only quarterback he's going to catch passes from, or so he said a couple of years ago when the Patriots tried to trade him to Detroit, Tom Brady. Amazing to see Gronk back. Um, it really excited me, to be honest, just because I think regardless of what happens, it's going to be fun. Even if we just see a couple of Gronk spikes and a couple of silly Instagrams, um, it, it'll be great to see him back. And it, it was a career that was always cut short, and, and rightfully so, with, with the injuries and, and actually almost with the success he'd had. You know, the injuries that he was doing to his body against what's he got left to achieve basically nothing he's he's considered the joint best tight end ever probably some people would have him as the best some people second or whatever but basically he's like the joint best tight end ever he's won loads of super bowls he's achieved everything one of those dominant players we've ever seen why not retire but obviously after a year a year off he feels quite spry he feels some strength returning wants to give it another run I think he thinks it'll be a bit more fun as well going down to Tampa Bay I mean Bruce Arians will, will work you hard Carson Palmer came out and said that but I think just a bit more lenient a bit more fun wearing the Kangle hat you know <laughs> just a bit more loose than New England I just think that convinced him to come out obviously we'll see what happens with his injuries um, hopefully he'll have a long productive season but we will have to see does change the landscape again in the NFC South. I've still got Tampa Bay second behind the Saints, but it I think it just widens the gap a little bit between them and Atlanta, who I had sort of joint second before this move. But now with this, and the fact it hasn't really cost Tampa Bay any big draft picks, which it shouldn't, but it hasn't, I think they, they kind of separate themselves from Atlanta into second a little bit. So speaking of what it cost... So the deal was Gronk and a seventh rounder for a fourth rounder going to New England. To be honest, it's good business for both teams. Tampa Bay get potentially a Pro Bowl tight end. I don't think they'll get better than that. That's no offense to Gronk. Obviously, he has been way better than that. But at this point, they could get a Pro Bowl tight end who blocks brilliantly, makes a few clutch catches, red zone threat, plays 50% of their snaps. That's all he needs to do, and that that way hopefully he can avoid some injury. And the floor is still probably a top 10 tight end in the league. He does the three things I've just said, but not to a, as great of an extent. So he plays a third of the snaps. He's only really a red zone threat, and he blocks well, but not quite as well as he used to. In the end, it's nice to have a top 10 tight end for a fourth round pick. You know, so I think joining so many weapons on that offense as well i mean who's doubling gronk you go okay we're going to double gronk great what about godwin evans Brait, howard you know what about all these players so let alone the fact they could actually run the ball um you know i think gronk's going to see a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage and although he can't separate like he used to that you know it's dangerous unless you've got a really athletic and strong linebacker or safety who you think could generally cover him um, that's going to be dangerous so it's a it's a real powerful offense they're putting together and well balanced. They can still do a lineman, probably a second running back, but Tampa look good. I think it's a good deal for New England. I know a lot of people, we've seen a lot of New England fans coming out and saying that they didn't get very good value, etc. for him. But there's two things I'd say to that. I'd say, A, you got something for him. 
if he'd have stayed retired, you'd have got nothing. So the fact you got a fourth round pick, it's for free. You've now got even more picks in the draft. New England have obviously got, well, I suppose they traded their seventh, but they've got a higher pick. They've got more value in the draft um, for nothing, effectively. And also, you, you've got to be realistic about what you're going to get for Gronk. Um, a retired player, laundry list of injuries, don't know what shape he's in. I mean, we know he's in pretty good shape, but is he in football shape? Um, you know, you're never going to get, you know, people were saying our oh, second round pick or something like that. It was never going to happen. So I think it worked out pretty well for both teams and both teams are pretty happy moving forward with what they got, even if it is painful for um, New England fans to see another legend go to Tampa Bay. The other side, um, that was sort of the breaking news. The other side of the podcast, which is going to form the majority of it, which is why I already have planned for today, is to talk about some of the quarterbacks you know, who who aren't the top sort of big three. We've heard loads about Burrow, loads about Tua, loads about Herbert, but we haven't necessarily heard lots or certainly as much about some of the other callbacks. And these are still callbacks who could go in the first round, second round, third round, maybe the fourth, you know, something like that. So these are still certainly callbacks that people might look at and go, we want this person to be our next franchise guy was certainly the first maybe second name I'm going to mention but even with the others you know these are people you pick and go we really want them to compete and we're probably going to keep them around unless they really bomb out for the length of their rookie contract to see if they can become the player we hope they can become the only one who doesn't really um, fit that mold is is my wild card which I've, I'm going to talk about at the end who is someone who you would be taking a flyer on in the 6th or 7th round but just who I think has a little bit of a chance to make an impact but I'll leave that as a secret till the end of the podcast so without further ado let's talk about the different quarterbacks so first one um, who's probably on most boards rated just behind Herbert or maybe even above Herbert in some mocks I've seen is Jordan Love from Utah State um, he's got good size releases the ball quick good in the pocket he can throw all the passes across the field and I think that's kind of got lost because he had he didn't have a great year last year um he does have some issues you know he locks onto receivers for a bit too long sometimes he can run when he doesn't need to but I think his stock's fallen then further than perhaps it should have done so I think he can really be a franchise quarterback. Now, will he be? Don't know. Depends on the situation he goes to. Depends on whether he can start moving his eyes around, looking off safeties and doing those, reading the field a bit better, standing in the pocket a bit better, sort of just refining those little things. But he definitely has a lot of upside and a lot of potential. So I've got him slated as end of first, early second. And this is why I think my fit for him is the Indianapolis Colts with a trade at the end of the first round. Now, the Colts might not need to make this trade. Jordan Love might just fall to them because they're only second, so they got pick 34 in the second round. So they might not have to trade for him, but I'm just putting in the fact they might have to trade into the first just because they might want that five-year deal, but also someone like the LA Chargers, if they don't take an early quarterback or the Jags don't take an early quarterback, they might be sniffing around. So just to make sure they get him, they trade back into the first with someone like Casey... Um, or Baltimore, or San Francisco, who haven't got many picks, and I think they've only got five in the whole draft, just to knock them out of the first round, take their place, get the five-year contract, and see what they get with him. So it, I think the fit with Indy is 
for a mobile reasons. Partly they're in position to take him. Partly they have a quarterback who can be very, very good in Philip Rivers, but who, you know, could well be on a one-year deal. I know he's got two years, but there's a good chance he's a one-year rental, which means Jordan Love can redshirt for a year, but it doesn't affect your team. You know, Philip Rivers will be just as good or better than Jordan Love this year. So you still get to compete. Then you can bring Jordan Love in behind that really good offensive line so he doesn't worry about pocket presence and the pressure as much. He doesn't run as soon because he's got a really nice line in front of him. They've got some weapons on the team, but also he can run, which adds a weapon, and they have time between this draft and next draft to add some more weapons for him to use. So I I think it's a really nice pickup for them. Um, I'd look for Indianapolis to do that, like I say, at the start of the second or early uh, late first round. So moving on to the next quarterback I want to talk about, which is Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. Um, obviously has a lot of running ability. He's not a runner like Lamar Jackson is, um, but he has got good running ability and it is something that will be part of his game. I don't think it's something you can put away. He's too, he's too good at it. Um, it's not an Aaron Rodgers situation where he's good at rolling out and he can run for the odd first down. He has genuine running ability and it will have to be used at the next level. He's just got to be smart about how he uses it, not taking those big hits, not running until he thinks, unless it's a design play, not running unless he's scanned the field and doesn't see anyone open. Um, he's got good accuracy and he is, his turnover rate's good, uh, which I think will appeal to a lot of people. Having a quarterback who's multi-dimensional and doesn't turn the ball over a lot is you know pretty effective and he certainly has all the tools to be effective so he will need some refining a lot like Jordan Love could definitely do with a red shirt year maybe even two Um, and because you'd be taking him I've got him going mid-second but well early mid-second but you you know you he could fall into the third round at which point holding him on the sideline for two years as long as you've got some sort of quarterback situation in front of him could be a situation it could be effective and that's actually part of the reason I got him fitting with the Jacksonville Jaguars I think they have an uncertain QB situation but going into this year they are in a situation because Garden Minshew firstly showed some promise but more so ingratiated themselves with the fans and the fans like him the fans are excited by him you can kind of take a year off from worrying about the quarterback situation because unless you really think he's going to take a step back this year because you can think well even if he doesn't have a great year the fans like him so they won't really turn on him maybe till the end of the year at which point Jalen Hurts has had a year in the system and we can then play him or Gardner Minshew maybe gets a couple of years and then we can bring Jalen Hurts in then you could even have some sub packages for Hurts where he comes in for Minshew and does obviously some passing plays but also some QB runs potentially some wildcat so I think it fits quite nicely Um, he's good value I think a pick 42 which is where the Jags are I know it's quite early second but I just feel like it's a really nice fit with the Jags and I think if they waited till the third round even though they'll be early third round he'll be gone I also think it's a nice fit because the Jags have two first round picks so they can go corner defensive line and all of a sudden, that defence that's lost quite a bit recently, especially if they keep Yannick Ngakwe, which I know looks unlikely at the moment, but if they do, all of a sudden, the defensive line line looks scary again. Two first, If they took a first-rounder this year, two first-rounders and Ngakwe, all of a sudden, they've got a premier corner. Maybe they get CJ Henderson this year. And all of a sudden, that defence starts to look nasty again. 
and maybe they can address the offensive issues like wide receivers in the third round after taking Jalen Hurts because there is a very deep receiver draft. So I, I really like that fit and I think it would fit the organisation, it would fit Jalen Hurts, it would fit the needs of the situation. And I think he'll be available for them at 42. I mean, if if they want to wait to the third round, there is a chance he's around. I would just... I just think someone will have taken a punt by then. I think he's got too much upper-end talent for someone not to have just taken a bit of a punt on him. Okay, shifting on to the next callback. That is Jake Fromm from Georgia. Um, I think the phrase, and this is something I really stand by, I think the phrase game manager is really underrated. As lots of people, I mean lots of people have said this, it's seen as an insult and it really shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. If you look at what Tom Brady, greatest quarterback ever. Now, if you look at what he did for the first six years of his career before 2007. Now, I'm not saying Jake Fromm's Tom Brady. And I'm not saying all Tom Brady did is game match. He didn't. He came up with clutch plays when he needed to. Made some great throws. The offense started to tick up and up each year. You could see the improvement. So it's not saying he was just a game manager. But it's just saying that... The offense didn't make the team go. It was either in the very early years a defensive team, or maybe for the latter Super Bowls and the years moving into 2007, more of an all-round team. You know, the offense won one game for you, the defense won another game for you. The next game you dominated because both played well. It was a bit like that, and I think so. From being called a game manager, which I think is is one of the things people have said about him and said that's. A little bit of a negative that he hasn't got that really high ceiling I think it is a skill set you can win with in this league and I think it is one of those things you shouldn't see as a negative as long as you can make the different throws you need to make at the NFL level as long as you can develop timing as long as you're steady in the pocket then it's fine to be a game manager if you can't launch the ball 60 yards on a whim like Aaron Rodgers that's okay you don't have to if you can't make the you know, throws off one leg back across the field left-handed like Pat Mahomes. That's okay. You don't have to do that. You know, and and though it might mean that Fromm will never be an elite talent in the NFL, there's plenty of quarterbacks who are in the top 15 quarterbacks in the league at any one time who've won Super Bowls, who are constant playoff um, team, you know, part of constant playoff teams. And I think that I think that it's yeah, it's seen as just too much of a negative tack. He's you know he's a safe pick. He's not turnover prone. He's pro ready. Just not sure where the ceiling is, but I think it's high enough. If you're a game manager with no high ceiling, then that is a problem in the NFL. But if you're a game manager with some sort of ceiling, which I think From is, I think it's worth taking a pick on. I've put him in Tampa Bay. That's my fit in the third round. I think Tampa Bay can address the needs they have for their starting lineup in the first two rounds, which would be tackle and corner for me. If they can solidify those two positions, I think their all-round team is looking really dangerous, driven by the offense, but the defense with, like I said, another year altogether and another corner and safety maybe coming out of the draft, I think could be really productive. I think if you take the tackle or at least a premier guard in the draft to protect Tom Brady... I think you can maybe take this luxury pick and then Jake Fromm gets to sit behind Tom Brady for two years, learn from him. I don't think it would rankle Tom Brady that you've taken a quarterback. He he knows himself. He said all along, 45. 
that's when I'm playing to 45 and he's got two years left he's gone to Tampa Bay for those two years I don't think he would argue about you taking a quarterback uh, especially one in the third round it's not like you've taken him in as a top 10 pick or anything like that you can learn behind Tom Brady he can practice with all those weapons and and you know learn great wide receiver routes and things like that I just think it's a really nice pick he can start his career almost like Tom Brady did sitting for a year although Tom only for one year but sit for a couple of years behind a, a, a really established quarterback obviously in this case it's the GOAT but you know Tom Brady was behind Bledsoe who was a very good quarterback in New England and then take over maybe run a bit of a defensive team for a couple of years while you you mold in and then go from there so I like Jake from to Tampa Bay I think it's a really nice fit for a couple of years time okay the last quarterback who's not so much of a long shot if you like is Jacob Easton from Washington so he's got great arm talent he's got big arm can make all the throws um got a good body shape for the NFL his worrying is pocket presence and plays under pressure so I mean they're both obviously linked to the same sort of thing when the pocket starts to collapse footwork isn't as good as you'd hope makes slightly panicky throws however i think he's worth a punt in the fifth or sixth round somewhere around there maybe slightly i might sneak into the fourth but i think fifth sixth round probably fifth round is about where i think he could go i definitely think he's worth developing because that arm talent is really good he's got prototypical size he can see routes developing down the field he can put the ball in a bucket it's just footwork calmness reading the field and a lot of these things are an experience thing and nfl coaches can coach that to you now they can only coach it to you to an extent which is why you hope there's untapped potential there or your strengths are so good they can make up for these weaknesses and that's why he's only going to go in the fifth or sixth round because they don't know that so no one's going to risk a high pick but i can see someone like minnesota taking him i think sort of like tom brady they've got cousins for two years but you don't know where you're going to be after that it means you don't want to take a high pick on a quarterback especially because unlike tom brady who probably is going to be gone in two years cousins might sign another five-year contract he might have won minnesota super bowl by then who knows but obviously he has only got two years left and you don't know what's going to happen after that because cousins might want to leave or Minnesota might have had enough of him and say, look, you know, you're just not going to get us over the hump, so we're going to go in a different direction, especially after all the money you've cost us, you know, you haven't delivered. And Jacob Eason might just have sat there for a couple of years with his big arm, learning, improving, might just be there at the right time. It's a bit of a long shot, of course, and I understand that. But I also think Minnesota again are a good team to take a bit of a flyer on a quarterback because obviously we're in the fifth sixth round by now but also they have two first round picks plus their other picks obviously they've got plenty of space to address the needs on the team which aren't major there are a few holes they have lost some people to free agency this is still a really good team and I believe they've also got I think they've got two picks right at the end of the fifth round it's the fifth or sixth round I can't remember which think they've got two and so you know using one of them on a quarterback who might develop and might not I think is a fair shout for them works for that offense you know there's a lot of deep throws off the play action in um, Minnesota's passing offense so I think it's just quite a nice fit with a team that's got the roster 
and the picks take a bit of a flyer on someone who has big potential but also quite a low floor potentially. Okay, the last callback I want to talk about is Nate Stanley out of Iowa. This is my sort of flyer. This is someone who might not be drafted at all. If they are, it's probably 6th, 7th round, uh, right at the end of the draft. A lot of people don't really think he's going to make many waves in the NFL. And this is not me predicting that he is, you know, that he's going to be the next Tom Brady picked in the 6th round Hall of Famer. But this is just someone, I think, who, again, if you've got a decent roster... And you filled your holes by this point in the draft. Which a lot of teams have filled their glaring holes by the 6th, 7th round. They might not have filled every tiny hole. Or they might not have gone, we've got a hole at corner so we're going to take two people just in case. Obviously there are other people you can pick. But most teams who have the luxury of taking a quarterback when they're not 100% sure about them. Generally they've picked their players by now. They filled those holes because they didn't have that many to start with. And this is where they can take a punt on something like this. Now, his completion rate, one of the negatives hits on him is his completion rate was sub-60 all of college. Now, admittedly, his receivers weren't brilliant either and they had quite a high drop rate. But even so, one of the big knocks on him was that he had that poor completion rate and struggle with short routes and outlet receivers. Um, So, you know, when the blitz comes, his hot routes... Um, you know, he wasn't finding them as well. He was still looking downfield, trying to make a big throw. His footwork can be a bit heavy and slow at times, which probably also doesn't help this because a lot of short routes, not so much outlet receivers, but short routes are three-step drop, bang, the ball's out. It has to be a timing thing. But having said that, he is proficient in middle and top field throws, has got a good arm, and does definitely have potential to develop into quite an interesting prospect obviously wasn't playing with the best team at Iowa either so obviously it'd be interesting to see him round NFL talent and it'll be one of those things he'll either sink or swim he'll he'll either sink and everything you saw at Iowa was what he is not really an an elite talent at the college level so it's not going to translate into the NFL or you might just see him he might be a career backup but you might just see him swim and Maybe the talent around him didn't help. Maybe he just needed a bit of coaching in certain areas and he becomes maybe a starter but or at least a career backup who hangs around the league a bit. At which point, hey, you know, there's people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people who would love to play in the NFL who don't even get into a college team, let alone get into a college team, let alone get to the NFL and be a career backup. So wouldn't be the end of the world. I've got him going to the Patriots. That's my fit for him. He's someone who can come in. The Patriots have got loads of picks this year. They've got 12 picks. They've got, some, they've got two picks at the end of the sixth round, which is where I've got them taking him. They've got pick 213, pick 214. So I think one of those, they take a flyer on him, and they say, look, it's someone who can come in and challenge Hoyer and challenge Stidham, give us a big camp arm, um, we, we know help challenge the defensive backs and if we see something in him we could potentially keep all three this year by sneaking him onto the practice squad uh, maybe even carrying three quarterbacks I mean between them they'd all be pretty cheap you know Stidham's on the second year of his rookie deal Nate Stanley would be on the first year of a sixth round contract and Hoyer would be signed for nothing so assuming you were happy with roster space you could actually keep three quarterbacks potentially 
and he can sit for a year or two if we if we see some something in him at New England he could sit there for a year or two work the kinks out you know bring up that um completion rate use those easy completions to do so because he has got the height and size Belichick covets he has got great touch on deep balls and he has got a low interception rate so although sometimes he might struggle to find those outlet receivers and his completion rating isn't that high you, he's obviously not fitting too many balls into uh, stupid areas either and making silly mistakes because he'd be picked off he's maybe just throwing a bit safe a bit inaccurate perhaps and that's what's causing that so you know a lack of turnovers and prototypical size and touch on deep ball throwing is not something to be sniffed at so that's my sleeper a bit of a fly there for Nate Stanley at the end of the draft so that's everything for today thank you for listening everybody we have uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts please go on there um, and follow us so you can see when the latest episodes are up you can also interact because we do polls and questions on there quite regularly and check back here for the latest episodes when they're up thanks guys have a great day enjoy the draft and I'll talk to you all soon